Hello, beautiful people, and welcome back to the Bibliophile Hour. I am your host slash cousin, Erica the Bibliophile, and we are entering the six-part series of Wahida Clark's Thug series. So there are actually seven parts that I know of, but I only own six, and I am not interested in the seventh part because by the time we get through with these you'll see why let's get started so we are starting with the very first book of the thug series which is titled thugs and the women who love them so this series is about four friends which is angel jasmine Rosalind and Kira but this first book is only about three of them and it's broken into three parts so this will be Angel, um, Kira, and Jazz's story. So we're starting with Angel. Angel is a full-time law student who also hustles writing bad checks and then fencing the merchandise that she buys And she used to date the guy who she does business with, but it ended after she realized that she wasn't the only woman that he was seeing. And so while she's on her way to her car during this shopping trip, because it's like she sees more things that she wants to buy, but she already has so many bags. She's planning to go drop off these bags and then come back into the store, which it's not a good idea because it's like if you already have so many things and you know you're writing bad checks, I would think you would want to get in and get out. And of course, on her way down the escalator, a perfume clerk recognizes Angel from a previous transaction. And the clerk goes to get a security guard. So Angel takes off running. Which, of course, I would, too. It's like, girl, you should have been did that. You just, I know you don't want to bring attention to yourself, but you just too laid back. Like, ain't nobody going to recognize you from the many times that you hit this mall. And it's like, you keep going back to the same location. That's another problem. Like, girl, no, move around. And then you got to chill for a bit, too. You just can't keep popping back up. You know what? Never mind. Because I sound like I know exactly what I'm talking about. I'm going to be quiet. And so... It's two security guards. They chase her out into the parking lot. And she's crouching down behind one car when a wannabe good Samaritan like points her out to them. So she takes off running again. And she makes it to her car. But then another good Samaritan like blocks her in. And they're at the at her door, you know, like just open the door. We want to talk to you. But she rams her car into the Good Samaritan's car until they move out the way and she can make a getaway. And it's like, I would have rammed into them too. Like, that's taking it too far. That is not your business. Why would you just block somebody in with your car? And then, you know, like when she's ramming it into it, then because it's a man, he's upset when she rams into his car. Like, yeah, now you have a fucked up car because you came on your business. Whose fault is that? And when she manages to get away, then she pulls over to the side of the road 
and starts praying because she doesn't want her boyfriend or her mom to know what she's been doing, which it's like, girl, you're in law school. And if you get busted for stealing, you can kiss your law career goodbye. And it's like, if you have a mom, like if you're worried about people finding out about what you're doing, then why are you doing it? So Angel is having a fight with her boyfriend whose name is Keenan, but he goes by Snake. And she throws an iron at him that hits him in the back of the neck. And then, you know, like when he turns around to come back at her, she closes and locks the door. But he kicks in the door and he grabs her by her hair and Angel slices him across the face with a hanger. Then Snake bangs her head on the radiator and Angel screams for her mom, who is sitting right at her desk. So, you know, she can hear everything that they're going through. And the only thing the mom does is yells at Snake to leave. And then she starts mumbling about how tired she is of both of them. Snake and Angel have been doing this dance and tango for two years now. So everybody's used to it because they always get back together and everything goes back to being all good. But Snake is paying their rent, Angel's tuition, and anything else that Mama Julia asks for. So, you know, at this point, she's just used to the situation. And all Julie cares about is Snake not turning her daughter out because Snake is a pimp, which, okay, it's just like, how can you, like, how do you date a pimp? I'm just so confused. Like, how do you actually date a pimp and be serious with a pimp? And Snake looks himself over in the mirror and, you know, like, he's messed up. So he slaps Angel again and she kicks him in his stomach and then goes in her closet and gets her nine millimeter. And she's pointed at him and telling him, you know, like, I'm not one of your hoes. Don't just come in here hitting on me. And this whole fight started because Snake walked in, like, slapping her upset about her being in a study group with a guy and you know she's like he's just my study partner but like snake is telling her yeah but I know him I know what he about he ain't just trying to study and he's just like are you are you serious okay and I also would like to point out that R.I.P.J.Q. But my friend had a point. Like, there may just be some people, I'm not just putting it off on women, like, some people that do just like getting knocked upside their head. And, I like, as we get deeper into this series, like, you'll see what I'm saying. But it's like, they, well, fuck it, I might as well say it now. They all get into fights with their significant others where they are being abused. But they just... You know, like, just shrug it off as if it's nothing. Like, this is what every couple goes through. And this is just what you got to deal with when you're dealing with a hustler. And it's just like, no, sis. Y'all can fight without him slapping you and choking you out. And, you know, it don't matter how mad he is. He don't have to put his hands on you. 
but if you like it, I love it. And so they have sex against the dresser, but remember, he kicked down the door, so the door's broken. And, you know, like, her mom and her little sister is in the house, but they don't care. So when they're done, Snake fixes himself up, and he walks out past Mama Julia and Angel's 12-year-old sister, Carmen. So Snake receives a call from one of his girls that she'd been in jail all night, and, you know, she'd been calling him to come bail her out but he just like hangs up on her and then he finds another one of his girls on the stairs and a deep nod which means she's doing dope and she's in the process of a high but it's where they get when you say nod it's almost like they're sleeping because they're just like dozing off and can barely keep their eyes open but they're high they're not asleep so that's why it's called a nod if you didn't know So Snake empties out her purse to find a small amount of money plus two bags of drugs. So Snake starts to choke her out because his rule for his stable is don't nobody do no drugs because you need to be on high alert to get this money. So Snake has a terrible temper, you know, like this is a known fact, and he has already killed four of his other holes in the past. And I guess, you know, don't nobody know about that. And then Snake proceeds to throw this girl down the stairs, then begins to hit her in the face. And she pleads with him to stop so that she can fix it. And she swears that she can fix it. So he stops and tells her to go clean herself up. And he's almost surprised that she can still talk at this point because that's how badly he was beating her. And he knew That's how badly he was beating her. So on his way out of the building, he bumps into Roz, Jazz, and Kira. Kira is Angel's first cousin, but they're all very close friends. Like, they're all best friends. And Snake doesn't like them, and the feeling is mutual. The girls notice the cut on Snake's face and runs upstairs. And they see the door and, you know, the state of Angel's room. And when she comes out the, out the, I was going to say out the hospital, out the bathroom, Jazz notices the glow on her face. And with disgust, she says, so after he whooped your ass, you fucked him? What is the matter with you? One of these days, he is going to kill you. And Angel burst into tears, claiming she can't help it. And that's just the type of relationship that they have. She loves him and he helps out her family. Plus she fights back. So, you know, she's okay and it's okay. And it's like, it doesn't matter that you fight back and that you feel like you can hold your own. Like with how hard he goes when attacking a woman, even what little strength you think you have, it's not enough to hold up against him. And so Angel is the second oldest of four children. She had an older brother whose name was Willie Wright because he always argued and, you know, would say that he's right even if he's wrong. And she has a younger brother, Mark, and then there's the baby girl, Carmen. When Willie Wright didn't get the dirt bike that he wanted for Christmas, 
like so many years ago from their parents because they all have the same mother and father he sets the auto paint shop that their dad works at on fire and he makes a statement now who he's gonna love more me or his job and it's like he didn't even try to cover his tracks everybody knows that he did it and he's just sitting at home on his porch so when you have like a bunch of police cars pull up he then runs into the house and gets his dad's gun and is standing on the porch and telling them to put their guns down because the police are telling him like you put the gun down he's like no you guys put the gun down and this turns into a shooting war and the police shoot him multiple times you know with his family watching so their dad whose name is big red He was handcuffed in the back of one of the police cars. He was prepared to take the fall for Willie. And after seeing his son being killed by the police, Big Red left his family behind. You know, like he just couldn't deal with the fact that his son was murdered on their porch right in front of him. And so he left Mama Julia with three kids to raise on her own. And, you know, she pulled herself by pulled herself up by her bootstraps and she made it work she lost their family home and they had to move into the projects but that didn't stop her she went back to school you know got a degree and I believe she was like a secretary or an assistant or something but she was making money to get them through and get them what they needed so now it's 10 years later And Mark is working on his associate's degree in broadcasting and Angela is in law school. And even Carmen is is an honor roll student. So, you know, the whole family just smirked. Ain't no slacking over there. So Snake, I mean, Mama Julia knew Snake from the neighborhood as little Keenan. And he comes from a long line of pimps, which is so funny. I was like, how your whole family pimps? But you know, this pimping is my blood. I've been big pat 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 And see, your whole family, they were assistant pimps. You know, let me not. I'm not even going to. So when Angel first brought him home, Mama Julia was slapping her up. Like, you know, how could you become a prostitute? How could you do this to yourself? And, you know, you just bring them, bringing him in my house. Like, this is cool. But, you know, come to find out, she was not a prostitute. She wasn't messing with him like that. It's like, you know, this is my actual boyfriend. Like, we're just dating. But Angel had moved out after that and moved in with her cousin, Kira. And so we figure out that, or we find out, that Snake first met Angel in a cafeteria where she was getting food and she was carrying her books. And he was trying to be a gentleman, but she kind of paid him dust. And he paid for her lunch and walked away without getting the change. But he's waiting for her in the parking lot because when she comes out, she looks around like looking for him. And he's like, jackpot, got her. But when he opens the window, you know, she just slides his money back in and says, you know, thanks, but I can buy my own lunch. And so Snake knows somebody at her school who works in like the office or something like that so they can get a person's name and address 
at the drop of a hat. Like, it's no problem. So he finds out her address and her number. And he sends a gift to her house. And then he goes and takes her on a date. So he tries to keep his pimp life away from her. Because, you know, that has nothing to do with her. But on two separate occasions, she has watched him beat two of his hoes. And she would not talk to him for a few weeks after both incidents until Snake just told her it was the nature of the business. And she either had to get with it or get lost. Because, you know, that's just how he do. And Angel overlooked it because he treated her like a queen and encouraged her to go after her dream. So I'm going to assume that this made Angel feel like she was better than the other women who were on his team as his whole so it's just like as long as he's not doing it to me I really don't care what he's doing and that's basically the same thing that mama Julia has going on so I can see where she gets it from so it's just like that's not me so that's not my problem and snake proposed to angel and gave her a ring but she has a problem with marrying him so although she said yes to marrying him They never said a date. Nothing really happened. It was kind of like he proposed and, okay, now what? So Big Nell, who is one of Snake's hoes, tells him that she's leaving for a week and he beats her within an inch of her life because she just told him that she was leaving instead of asking. So, you know, his whole thing while he's beating her up is you don't tell me what you're going to do. You ask for permission and then I'll let you know if I feel like letting you go. So, you know, she has to leave and get herself together and nobody hears from her. So they're assuming like she just left and she was done for good. But actually, she comes back two and a half months later and, you know, inviting snake back to the house I believe it's the whole house he like cooks some breakfast gets him something to drink and he's just feeling like a king but she's actually poisoned him and then she beats him to death and run so this is that's the end of Angel's part and then we're going into Kira's part Kira has a boyfriend Tyler who has a little brother named Lil Anthony. And he likes to steal cars and then ride, drive around in those stolen cars. And they see him, Kira and Angel, and I believe Mama Julie. Like, they're standing outside after they just got done attending a funeral. So it's just like, here's another Black man throwing his life away, and I just hate to see it. So he stops and asks Kira if she wants a ride. And she tells him, no, like, you know, I've been worried about you. You should stop doing this. But he waves her off. He ain't trying to hear that. He out here living life. He don't care. So Kira asks Angel to come over to Roz's house because she wants to talk to her friends. So Angel really doesn't want to because she hasn't heard anything from Snake. So she's been in her feelings and she's just been at home which I'm trying to understand. I'm like, girl, how you let a pimp just throw you off like this where you hiding in the house, you ain't saying nothing. And he's just like, I don't feel like going because 
that's just not the relationship me and him had. We talked to each other if we were going to go missing. So it's just like basically Angel feel like she knows better than what anybody is trying to tell her. But she ends up coming anyway. And when they're all together. Oh, but before they get together, because while they're in the car, Kira asks her, how could she deal with something like that? Like, you know, how could you deal with a pimp? And why are you even this upset, the fact that you're not hearing from him anymore? And Angel gives as good as she gets. She's like, you know, how are you with Tyler? That nigga constantly cheating on you from left to right. So it's like, if you asking me questions, let's ask you some questions. And, you know, they just leave it at that. Like, both of their niggas ain't shit is basically the point. So when they all get together, Kira tells her friends that she got a new position and a better pay at her job so she'll be leaving pretty soon and you know they're all in school determining to better themselves and make it out the hood and not only is she leaving Tyler and moving into oh not only that but she's leaving Tyler and moving into a new job so I mean a new place lord have mercy so it's new jobs, new beginning. And Roz lets them know, more specifically Kira, that Marvin is home from a seven-year bid and he's been looking for you. So this information just rocks Kira's, or Kira's world for some reason. I don't know why I call it Kira. Marvin is a memory that they all try to bury and put behind them. So after the ladies are done visiting, she hops in her car and she hears always and forever. And she says, what is this throwback day or something? And this sends her down memory lane. And we are back in the ninth grade where it's only the second day of school where she met Tyler. He was a bad boy who smoked, drank, and was actually a grade behind the grade he was supposed to be in, but that was fine for him. Oh, but no, but because he was fine, you know, as far as good looking, Kira didn't care about all the other stuff. She was in love. So the girls go to a basement party. And after a while, they were all ready to go, except for Kira. She wanted to stay just in case Tyler showed up and she was going to ask him to walk her home. So the other girls leave, which I have a problem with. Because it's like, even though they are young teenagers, it's just like, why would y'all leave y'all girl by her? So if you don't know what could happen, I would never know. I don't care how grown, whatever. Oh, excuse me. Um, You know, I'm not leaving you at a party by yourself. But that's what happens when you have young teenagers who swear they grown. So Tyler does show up, but before he shows up, you know, she's leaning up against the wall and somebody passes her a blunt. So she takes it and smokes it. So after Tyler shows up and they dance for a while, Kira is overheating. So she has to sit down. So Tyler gets up and, you know, goes to try to find her something to drink. But when he comes back, there's like seven or eight guys surrounding Kira who's passed out on the couch talking about they about to run a train on her and it seems to me which I was so disgusted by 
Tyler's only motivation for stopping the train is the fact that Kira is a virgin and he wanted to be the first one to hit it. So it's like basically he almost got into a fight with niggas not from his neighborhood just to make sure that Kira was okay. So the next day at school, everybody knows what happened at the party and they're giving Tyler his props. Big ups to him. So, and that also comes with girls wanting to sleep with him, but him choosing not to because his biggest goal is to get Kira's virginity. And after that, because he saved her, they do have sex. And she's really feeling like she's grown now because she's 14 years old and she's having sex. So after that, you know, she's starting to dance, I'm mean, not dance, dress a little bit less, like a little shorter clothes. And she's starting to feel herself, quote unquote, as the older black woman would say, she was being fast. And this is drawing attention from the older guys in the neighborhood. So one day as she's walking home, Marvin, who I guess is just known in the hood, starts walking with her and tells her, you know, you my little girlfriend. And she tells him, you know, you're too old for me. And I'm like, I'm so glad you know, little girl. So glad you know. Marvin is 22 while she is only 14. It's like, that is disgusting. That's disgusting. That's rape. It's rape. It's rape. And I can admit, as a younger person, when I first started reading this series, I loved this. And But that's because I didn't know no better myself. I think I was like 14, 15. And at one point in my life, when I was 17, I was entertaining a 34-year-old guy. So it's just like, I, I know about these things. But it's like, this is literally so disgusting. What are you doing with this child? Talking about she a little girlfriend, rapist. And he tells her, I'm going to wait for you. And it's just like, you're 22. At no point is your age going to add up. So what are you waiting for? And he would give her money and little bags of weed. And so she finds, of course, this is exciting for a 14-year-old girl. So Marvin is also, like, he's looking like the man. And... Kira is getting bored with Tyler. She's like, you know, sex ain't really popping because he's just like basically humping her a few times and it's over. She's ready for the big league. She's ready to move past him. So Marvin is buying her gifts. Uh, He done bought her a blouse. He bought her a pair of earrings. And any other thing that he think will look good on her, he's bought it and gave it to her. So one day she's walking to Roz's house and Marvin stops her telling her to come back to his house because he has an outfit for her that matches what he has on. So he has on this all white ensemble that he bought the same exact thing for her. So she goes back to his house and he gives her the clothes which she puts on. And then he comes back from the back and Kira just looks at him and says, what did you just have? And he's like, you know, what did you talk about? I ain't had none. She's like, no, I can tell by your face. You've had something. What have you had? It's heroin. And he pulls it out and gives her a hit of it. And then they have sex with each other. And he keeps her with him like all day. So at the end of the day, when he he's done running his errands, 
he can bring her back to his house and rape her. That's I'm calling it rape. I'm not going to, I think I already did, but I'm not calling it having sex. It's rape because that's exactly what it is. But this makes Kira like feel herself even more. And I meant to say at one point while he's raping her, like he puts his mouth on her and like she's shaking and stuff after it's over. And he says, this is why he likes young girls because he can showcase his skills. Like, what skills? It can't be skills if you can only do it on a child and it's having them shaken. That's because they don't know their body and you're taking advantage of that. So you don't know how to really, you probably don't have no skills if it don't work on an older woman. But I'm going to let you make it. Kira breaks up with Tyler feeling as if Marvin is more on her level and more her speed. You know, she's grown now. And they were sprung over each other as sprung as a 22-year-old and a 14-year-old can be over each other. And in a year, they are both strung out on heroin because for some reason, as a drug dealer, he was getting high on his own supply. And Kira dropped out of high school and her mom kicked her out and she moved in with Marvin. And for some reason, or not for some reason, for him, it seems to work. He can still be on drugs and function as a drug dealer because although they were both on drugs, they didn't look like it and they didn't act like it. And one day Marvin is having a meeting you know, to buy some more work, and they meet inside of a restaurant, and everything is going fine, he's in the bathroom testing the product, and he comes back out, gives the connect the money, and they're heading out the door to get the drugs, but little does Marvin know, Tyler and his three friends were waiting for them with guns, and Kira was there, but because she didn't have her quote-unquote supplies to test out the drugs she went home because you know she wanted a fix and she wanted to try it but she didn't have her stuff so she left so Tyler and his friends they steal the drugs and the money and they shoot one of Marvin's boys and he also shoots Tyler shoots Marvin three times and then he goes looking for Kira And he finds her at home with a needle in her arm and, you know, she's foaming at the mouth. So he takes her to the hospital. And when she wakes up, you know, she's, of course, looking for Marvin, thinking he's going to be upset with her because she OD'd. And Tyler tells her that Marvin is dead. And, you know, this devastates her to the point where she has to be sedated by the hospital staff because she wouldn't stop screaming and after that Kira goes to rehab and gets her life back on track she gets back in touch with the girls and she goes back to school then she went on to college and Tyler is by her side the whole time so they get back together and she moves in with him Marvin is actually not dead that night the people that he was doing the interaction with like Tyler made them put the dead body in Marvin's body in their trunk and like leave 
And so the guys dumped them at the hospital and took off. And Marvin was charged with murder because he was with the dead body when they both got to the hospital. And plus he had some old charges. So after a month in the hospital, he was sent to Sing Sing for seven years. And nobody's heard anything from him or, you know, like people who do know they're not saying anything. So to everybody else, he was dead until, you know, Jazz told Kira, he's out and he's looking for you. So Tyler, Kira finds Tyler at his older brother's house and tells him that she's moving out the upcoming weekend. So, and he hasn't been home in four days. So she had to go looking for him to tell him this. And all of a sudden now he's rushing behind her to get her to change her mind. And she's like, you know, I haven't seen you in four days. Like, this is your routine. You come and go as you please. So, you know, I'm out. And he gets upset when he sees, like, how much of her things are already packed when they get home. And he accuses her of breaking up with him because now Marvin is home. And she tells him, you know, I'm not, I haven't been with Marvin these last seven years. I've been with you. So that has nothing to do with it. Although it is circumstantial, though, because it's just like we've been doing this, whatever they've been doing in their relationship for seven years. And it's like, as soon as word hit on the block that this man is coming home, now you don't want to be with in, be with me anymore. So I can see why he would feel that way. Cause it's just like, girl, it is mighty convenient. You want to break up now, but she tells him, you know, she can't be a doctor with a drug dealer. So, you know, it's better. They break it off now anyway. And, you know, he tries to plead his case, but she's not, giving him any attention. So he just goes on to bed, I guess, making up for those four days of sleep, you know, he claims to have not gotten while he wasn't at home. At 2.18 in the morning, and I love how specific the time is, (laughs) just like, you know, it was 2.18. There's knocking at the door. So Kira, she's still up. So she goes to get the door. It's Marvin. At first, she didn't want to let him in, but you know, he tells her, just give me five minutes. Just let me talk to you. He's here to get his woman. He says, you know, I know you ain't happy with him. That's why you packing up to leave. And she's like, how do you know these are my bag, my boxes? You know, how you know we not leaving together? Are we just moving in? And he's like, I know my baby girl. I know you. So she tries to resist him, but she can't. Seeing him all over again, you know, looking healthy and clean, it does something to her. It sparks those old feelings. So they have sex in the kitchen while Tyler is asleep in the bedroom. So after they're done, you know, Marvin cleans her up and tells her to go pack the rest of her stuff because she's leaving with him now. And he carries out all of her boxes to his truck. And then when she's in the truck, he tells her, you know, I got to go back up there. I left my shirt. He wakes Tyler up with his gun pressed against his nose, telling him, I know you didn't think I would let you get away with robbing and shooting me and killing my partner. All Tyler has to say is, fuck you. And Marvin tells him, I appreciate you looking out for her and keeping herself while while I was gone. See you in hell. And he kills him. 
So that's the end of Jazz's part. And we are now moving on, I mean, of Kira's part. And we're moving into Jazz's part. So Jazz has a sister named Mickey who was in jail for the last five years. So she's going to pick her up. She picks her sister up from jail. And they plan on having a party or like going out to a party to celebrate her being home. And Jazz has a boyfriend, Fahim, who also used to sell drugs, but now he owns a chain of liquor stores and he also sells counterfeit money on the side. So, you know, he's paid. And Fahim is getting them a limo and VIP passes to a party being thrown by the New York Knicks. So, you know, they got dressed up, they're going out, having a good time. And Jazz dances with one guy, and then another guy buys her a drink, and they start talking. And, you know, she's checking him out, saying how fine he is. And that part kind of threw me, because it's like, if you read the book, there's nothing wrong with acknowledging other people, like, yeah, they're cute. But the way she kind of goes on, like, ooh, he fine, I would get with him, you know, just thinking these thoughts in her head, but it's just like... Damn, you got a whole man. Not to say you can't look, but it's almost like, girl, you borderline disrespectful, but okay. And the guy she's talking to, his name is Smooth. He plays for the Brooklyn Nets, and he went to Princeton, where Jazz is currently going. So they exchanged numbers because he also took a lot of the classes that she's currently taking. And um, I think majored in biochemistry. So, you know, it's just like, ooh, I had somebody to talk about this with. And they start dancing. And then this is when Fahim shows up. And, you know, he walks over. And he was polite, even though this is his girlfriend. He's like, you know, excuse me, partner, can I get in? And Smooth saying, like, dang, you can't wait to the end of the song. And Fahim, like, snaps. He's like, this my woman you dancing with. No, I can't wait till the end of the song. Back your ass up. And so, of course, Jazz has to calm him down. But it's like, while he was trying to cut in, like, Jazz just kept dancing, looking at her boyfriend to see what he was going to do. So it's just like, why are you then surprised when he act a fool? If you're just going to keep dancing in my face and you see I done showed up, dance with your man, not this random nigga. So while they're dancing, Fahim gets in the mood. So they sneak off to the limo to have sex. And, like, they leave right after. Fahim owns the the house that Jazz lives in. But he floats between the home and his apartment. So it's like, although the house is his and they are a couple, basically she lives in his home by herself and he lives in an apartment so it's like they don't live together but he'll spend a few nights here and spend a few nights there and just go back and forth so he tells her that he ran into Marvin and Marvin is talking about moving to Cali because nothing's shaking in New York or in New Jersey they're all in New Jersey but you know they float back and forth between New Jersey and New York So, which this means Kira is also moving to Cali, which kind of surprises her because it's just like, dang, she couldn't call and tell nobody. But it's like, it's just a thought. It's not a permanent thing yet. So why call y'all and tell y'all if it might not happen? 
So he also tells her that little Anthony, who was Tyler's younger younger brother who steals the cars, he was killed during a police chase in a stolen car. He slid under a moving tractor trailer and it took the top off the car and took his top off, if you know what I'm saying. So the older brother he lost two of his brothers in one year. And basically I think within like a couple months of each other or something like that. Smooth calls Jazz, you know, trying to take her out to lunch, but she refuses. She's like, you know, no, that really wouldn't be a good idea on my part, which it wouldn't be. Cause while they were dancing at the club, Fahim basically told her like, I don't want you contacting him. Cause when he cut into the dance, he saw smooth like motion, you know how you put your hand up to your ear and say, I'm going to call you. That's what he did. So he's like, you know, don't call him. Don't interact with him because you're going to play yourself and you don't want that to happen. So after she hangs up and her classes are over, she meets up with another student and they are partners in cooking up crystal meth. And she gets paid 12000 a day for two days. So she makes $24,000 a week for cooking crystal meth. And nobody knows it. It's just her and the white guy that she's working with. So Smooth shows up to the school anyway to take her out to lunch. And they go out to eat. And because they had such a good conversation and a good time, Jazz then invites him back to her house after where they discuss her upcoming term papers and other assignments. So it's basically, it's really just a work thing, her picking his brain, trying to see what he remembers and helping herself out. And, you know, like they get something to drink and they're like sitting close together on the couch. And at some point, Smooth kisses her, but then, and, you know, tries to take it deeper. But Jazz, I was going to call her Josh, tries well, not tries to, she dodges him and sets him straight. Like, you know, you know, I got a man and that's not even what this is. So you can back on up. So Fahim comes in and he is upset to see another man in his house. Cause it's just like, what is he doing? First of all, I told you not to have contact with him. And now he in my house. Like, are you for real? which I can understand his frustration because it's just like, if we have a conversation and it's not even trying to be control, well, in this case it is, but I'm just saying like, hypothetically, if I tell you that someone you're hanging out with makes me uncomfortable and I don't want you around them. And she basically like agrees with him. Like, okay, you're right. I'm not going to talk to him. Then I come home and he in my house. And it's like, y'all, it's kind of, yeah, there's papers out everywhere, the computer's on, you know, it looks like a work environment, but still, Jazz, Jazz jumps up as if she's done something wrong, so it's like, you're making yourself suspicious, so you can't really get mad at me when I wild out, and so, you know, when he asks what's going on, he pulls a gun out on Smooth, because he feels disrespected, because it ain't even about Jazz, he's talking straight to Smooth, like, you know, I told you to back up off my woman and what are you doing in my house so when smooth sees the gun he you know like holds his hands up like man the bitch invited me over so you know when fahim hears him call 
Jazz a bitch, you know, he wilds out. He hits him in the head with the gun, with the butt of the gun, and he puts him out. And then he snaps on Jazz, asking her how long she been fucking this dude and why is she bringing him to his house, to his house. And then he flips the table over, which sends the glasses that they were drinking out of and papers flying everywhere. And Fahim tells her to come get her stuff out of his apartment by tonight and leave the keys. And, you know, of course, this upsets Jazz because she's like, you know, I didn't sleep with him. Like, baby, I would never do that to you. But, you know, he's upset and he's not thinking clearly. And she know that she messed up. And so we get a flashback to when they first met. Fahim was still dealing drugs and they had just went out on a date. They're sitting in the car and Fahim tells her, you know, I want you to be my woman. And she tells him, you know, I want that too, but you have to get out the game if you want to be with me. And he's telling her, you know, like, I'm real close. I'm about to make it happen. And she basically tells him, you know, come see me when that does happen. And it takes almost two years for that to happen. But, you know, he made it possible. But by that time, he had to go take Jazz from another dude because, you know, she must have got tired of waiting. And for him, like, he knows that she didn't sleep with the dude and nothing was going on. Because, like I said, when he came in, he saw the papers. You could see that the computer was on. Like, nothing was going on. But this is just to teach her a lesson. Because it's basically, you know, when you have a good man who does all these things for you and just think of all the things a good man could do, you know, when he just tells you, don't be around this person, it shouldn't be that hard to do. So it's been two weeks and Fahim has been ignoring all of Jazz's attempts to talk to him. He doesn't answer her pages because, you know, back in the day, this is when people still had pages. And when he answers his cell phone, because it's like having a cell phone and a pager. But back then there was no caller ID. So he has to answer every call. But anyway, when he hears her voice, he hangs up. And he told all of his employees not to let her in any of his offices in his stores. So it's like she can't pop up on him because they're not going to let her in the back because you have to be buzzed to the back to even get to his office door. So basically, he's completely shut her out. And, you know, of course, she's sad and she's crying about this, but there's nothing she can do. She basically has to wait and play his game. And so Fahim shows up one night, you know, completely dressed up, and then he strips down completely naked and gets in the bed beside her, beside her and just goes to sleep. And, you know, she's asking him, like, Fahim, when can we talk? And he's just like, not now. And when she wakes up the next morning, he's gone. And this just completely devastates her because it's just like, how do you show up? looking good then strip naked and just lay beside me and go to sleep and he laid like on top of the cover so it's a point basically trying to show her this is what you missing when you and it's it is manipulation in my opinion but like I said when I first read this series I was so young I thought this was so cute and like daddyish if you if you get what I'm saying, like basically showing her who's lost. But looking at this now and rereading it, it's just like that was very manipulative. 
but you know they rocking with it so jazz and her partner gets busted and they're arrested in one of the houses they were cooking the crystal meth in which would be pennsylvania because there was one in i think new york and then the other one was in it was in pennsylvania so they got caught at that one and so she calls for him but he hangs up on her so she has to call kira but marvin answers the phone and you know she tells him like can you please call for him and tell him i'm in jail and this is what's going on so Fahim, of course, comes through. He goes to get her truck from the school. He got her a lawyer, and he paid the 20 k for her bail. So while she's in the feds, they give her a, pers- a physical exam and find out she's pregnant. And although she's released, Jazz doesn't see Fahim until Marvin's birthday party. And even then, he bought a date with him. He ignores her you know, like, all through the night until an ex approaches her, the the um, the um guy that Fahim had to take her from when he finally stopped selling drugs. And, you know, like, he has his hands all over her body. He kissed her neck and basically saying, you know, what me and you about to get into? And she's like, you know, I got a man. And he says, you know, I ain't trying to throw salt on my man, but basically throw salt on the man and tell him, like, you know, he didn't show up alone. And then this is when Fahim says something. And he's like, you know, why you all up on my woman? And the guy says, you know, shit, I thought one wasn't nothing going on. You got your date. Shorty showed up alone. And Fahim takes her into Marvin's office so they can talk. And Jazz tells him everything, you know, about the crystal meth, about her going every Monday and Thursday, and this is what's going on with her case, and Fahim is shocked, which I would be too, because it's just like, you literally made me wait two years for you, and saying I had to get off the drug game because you didn't want to deal with somebody in the drug game, and you was cooking up crystal meth, and it's like, you talk all this shit about not wanting to be with a drug dealer, there ain't nothing in the drug game, and look at what you doing. And at some point while they're talking, his date comes looking for him. Like she knocks on the door and Jazz opens the door and turns to Fahim and tells him, you know, Fahim, tell this girl that you already have a woman and she's pregnant and, you know, you're in a relationship. And he's like, you just did. So what I need to tell her for. And she closes and locks the door in the girl's face. And Fahim and Jazz agree to start over. No more secrets, no more lies, just being honest with each other. Jazz's partner made a deal with the government to pin everything on Jazz. And I'm like, of course this white man did. And of course the government made that deal. It's just like, you know, oh, you're white. You can basically restart your life. You can continue on. But we're just going to pin it all on this black woman. And she was looking at kingpin charges or queenpin charges, which was 50 to life until a week later. The guy that she was working with, his name is Brett or was Brett. He's found in his car and he's been shot 27 times. So her charges were downgraded to conspiracy to manufacture with intent to distribute a controlled substance. 
which is so shocking to me because I would think if, you know, you get hit with these queen pin charges and you're looking at 50 to life, if you, the main star witness is found dead just a week later, I wonder why didn't they, like, try to pile that charge on top of it? Because it's just like, if this was our star witness and not even seven days later, he's dead. Girl, you killed him. And I would have been adding those to the charges, but hey. Anyway, they offered her a plea deal of 11 years, but she declined. You know, Fahim tells her, trust me, I'm going to make it all work out. We ain't accepting nothing. We're going to beat this. So Fahim and Jazz are at home, you know, doing what couples do when Angel calls. And he has to tell Jazz that her sister took her three kids up to the top of the apartment building where she was staying with their grandmother and made them jump. So now all four of them are dead. But before we got to this point, Mickey had called Jazz at one point telling her, you know, I have to get out of this apartment. Grandma's tripping. Because when she got out of jail, let me back up a little bit. When she got out of jail, she was staying with their parents. But their parents have, like, multiple other people staying in the house. So even though it's, like, I think a four or five bedroom house, it was still too crowded. So she went. Mickey went and moved with their grandmother and I guess that became too much because Mickey says that the grandmother is trying to control her and you know she grown and she can't be having this woman clocking her moves so at one point their grandmother gets on the phone and tells Jazz that Mickey is back to using drugs because she was I think on cocaine so she's back to doing that and then at some point that's how we got to her taking herself and her children and all of them jumping off the top, which I don't get why they say she made them jump. I want to say she pushed them. So it's like she murdered her three children and then she killed herself. So it was a murder suicide. And with that information, Jazz faints and she is rushed to the hospital. She is also deemed too fragile to attend the funerals because it could hurt her and it could hurt the babies. So it's just like, you just gonna, you gonna stay at home. You gonna chill out. And, you know, they're scared she will react again. And also her trial is pushed back six weeks. But when the trial does start, it only lasts for two weeks. And... Jazz is found guilty on all accounts, and she is sentenced to 17 years in federal custody. So, the way the first book ends, you know, let's just do a quick recap. Angel, her boyfriend, disappeared, and she hasn't heard from him, and she's still upset about that. Kira had moved on from Marvin, but he came back to get her, so, you know, they're living it up at the moment with plans to move to California and then Jazz you know her life ain't looking good it's looking like she's going to be doing 17 years in federal custody and it's just like wow what do we do with this information (laughs) so anyway but that leads us into the second part of 
the thug series, which is every thug needs a lady. And it just gets juicier from there. So come on back and listen to this drama. Peace and blessings, everyone.